0: Man, excited, excited, excited. Well, listen. How many are ready for the word today? This is, this is the last. This is the last lesson in this series that we've been in called "I Said So," and I and I wanna, I wanna. Can we finish strong today? That's my question. Can we, can we finish strong? Well, listen. Let's 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 see what God has to say to us. The Gospel of John, chapter eight, verse forty-four. This is what Jesus is. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. If you're reading, uh, if, if you're reading in a Bible that um, you see that there are certain portions of the passage that are read, that's an indication that Jesus is speaking, all right? So John eight forty four 44 says this. Jesus says, sounds kind of mean, but listen to what he says. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. I want to stop reading right there and uh with your prayers hopefully hopefully y'all pray and pray for me i'm praying for you pray for me cuz i want i want everybody to get everything that god has for them today i'm telling you so i want to talk from this subject here it is very simply i did not say that i did not say that <laughs> family as i was preparing for today's preaching presentation i became exposed to a story that I think is really salient for today's sermon. A story was told about a little girl who came home from school one day and told her mother, mom, my stomach is hurting. The mother knowing that her daughter was somewhat of a picky and finicky eater says, baby, that may be because nothing's in it. Let me get you something to eat. So the mother proceeds to engage in the activity of fixing something for her daughter. Her daughter eats, and after a while, when the food has digested, she goes back to her mom and says, Mom, you were right. My stomach feels better now. The mom proceeds to stay in the other room, not realizing her her phone is on the other side of the house. Her cell phone happens to ring. Her little daughter picks it up and says, hello. A voice on the other end says, hello, this is Pastor Johnson. How are you? She said, I'm fine, Pastor Johnson. How are you? He says, I'm doing okay. I've, I got a little headache, but I'll be all right. She said, well, that's probably because there's nothing in it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may be wondering what in the world or where is the relevance of that story for this revelation you want to share with us, Dr. Darius, from God's word. I I want to tell you that what the little girl did with the preacher is very often what adults do in their own lives. Repeat what they've heard from trusted sources. So some of the things we are saying and some of the things we are speaking, some of the colloquialisms that are more cultural than Christian, but we treat them like Christian and not culture is because we are simply repeating what we've heard people say. And they were people that we trusted and that we loved. And it's okay. If there is that type of behavior when it comes from earthly parents. But it is not okay when there is misrepresentation of our heavenly parent. It's one thing to misinterpret, to mismanage, or to misuse what mama said. It's another thing to misinterpret, to mismanage, and to misuse what God says. And I am telling you, there are very often things that are regularly spoken and consistently communicated, and God's like, I did not say that. Yeah, I'm not sure, you you may be repeating that because that's what you heard in Sunday service, and but I didn't say that, or, <laughs> or you may have read something and interpreted in a way that is inconsistent with my intention, but I did not say that. And what I am telling you family is this, one of the ways, listen to me, one of the ways the enemy tries to disrupt what's coming out of our mouths is by confusing us with what's going into our minds. Cause I can't speak it right if I'm understanding it wrong. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You see, you see, see, you got, remember now, I've told you this before, and, and I actually started to uh, uh, consider using one of Jesus's, one of the narratives in the Gospels where Jesus healed uh, uh, someone who couldn't hear. But, but I felt like this passage in John 8 is going to drill the point home more clearly. But, 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 but see, every, this is what Spurgeon says now. Every miracle in the Bible, listen to me, every, every miracle in the Bible that deals with a physical condition is a reflection of what Jesus can do, not just with that physical condition, but with that spiritual condition. So when someone has a hearing issue physically, they can't hear at all or they can't hear well. But Spurgeon would probably say... That, that represents someone who has a hearing condition spiritually. Yes. Yes. And that person can't hear right. Yes. See, it's one <laughs> did y'all hear what I, if you're following me, say preach in the chat. Why should, no, see, see, it's one thing, it's one thing not to be able to hear well. It's another thing to be able to hear well, but not hear right. And I am telling you that the enemy is very often at work in the rightness. If he can't stop you from hearing well, he wants to stop you from hearing right. Yes, yes. Now, now, I don't want to get too like spooky here, but there is like biblical metaphorical presentations of this in something in scripture called the Leviathan. I don't know if you heard of that. The Leviathan spirit, the twisting one. Yes, yes. And it speaks to the enemies tendency to twist people's interpretation of something that is said in order to get people to respond aggressively and to respond obstinately to something they really need. Did you hear what I said? So if truth sets me free and the enemy's goal is to keep me bound. If he can't stop me from hearing truth he wants to influence me so that truth is twisted in a way in my interpretation that I reject what I need. Y'all aren't talking to me today. Have you ever been in conversations where you are communicating something and then people lead the conversation with their interpretation? Of what you said, and you were thinking, How in the world did you get that from what I said? I said nothing remotely close to that, but that twisting spirit, Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. And what most people don't realize is that the entryway to that influence is emotional injury. When people have been hurt in the past, that pain produces a perspective. So it affects the way they hear. Where there's there's been pain in a person's past that is not processed properly, they hear that's not a good job and they confuse that with you not a good person. That is not the same. Come here. That is not the same thing. And I am telling you that the enemy is using this to wreck churches. He's using this to wreck businesses. And he is definitely using it to wreck marriages. Some couples don't talk because they can't. Y'all, is this too much? Is this too much? No, no, no. So it's not that he won't talk to me or she won't talk to me. Well, sometimes they are exhausted from attempting to communicate with someone who seems to be determined to be to be uh, to misunderstand them. Are y'all okay? This all I got for you today. I mean, (laughs) this. No, no, no. am Am I telling the truth? If if. This is the way the enemy works. And I don't think we can align our mouths with God's ministry without intentionally addressing this. You see, I think this story about this little girl has real preaching power. I really do. I think, it's, I think it's incredibly profound because if we want to dive deeper metaphorically, we could also say this little girl, watch this, doesn't just represent somebody else. We can say this little girl represents the immature version of yourself. Yes. 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 <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Yeah. If Jacob and Israel is in the same person, a little girl can represent Jacob. If Sarah and Sarah is in the same person, she can represent her. Simon and Cephas is in the same person, it can represent Simon. If Abram and Abraham is in the same person, it can represent Abram. It's when the, the immature or unhealed version of myself is talking. what I just said. See, I, I, and come on now. It, it, it's when the, because sometimes, sometimes the healed me talk and sometimes the unhealed me talk. Sometimes the secure me talks and then sometimes the insecure me talks. Sometimes the clear me talks. Sometimes the cloudy me talks. And this little girl can represent the version of me that needs to be silenced until she gets grown. Am I making sense? Not only can this little girl represent an immature, unhealed version of myself, this little girl can also represent something called the subconscious. Wow. <laughs> that is actually speaking without thinking. Yes. Yes. But it is speaking what it's been hearing from the conscious mind, which, repre- which is the, uh, the mother. Am I making sense there? Yeah. <laughs> don't miss this family, don't miss this. That subconscious voice is the voice of our fears, our woundedness, in our innermost pain. And it is what the enemy wants to use because he wants to make it feel like truth. (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to explain this. Are y'all all right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, see, there are, there are some things that we're speaking based off what we're hearing. And we're hearing it from the little girl but because, it's, because what I'm hearing is real it makes me think it's right so that subconscious that's speaking from that woundedness and those fears and, and that innermost pain that's the one that's telling you you're not good enough God's like I didn't say that That's the one that's telling you you can't recover from this. God's like, I didn't say that. That's the one that's telling you you have tried so long and so hard and you've done everything you knew to do. You tried stuff in church and outside of church to change. You've made promises to yourself and you've been unable to keep those promises. And now you're frustrated and you've come to the conclusion that I can't change because I haven't changed. And God's like, I ain't say that. God's like, I put the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible for a reason. And I told you how long she had her issue for a reason. I didn't tell you 12 years just so that you would know her business. I told you 12 years so that you know how I handle my business. Because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell you that the man at the pool of Bethesda had his issue for 38 years just to tell you his business. I told you that so, so I can show you how I handle my business. That even if you've been wrestling with it 38 years, when I say it's got to go, it's got to go. When I say it's got to move, it's got to move. When I say it's got to break, it's got to break. God's like, I didn't say that. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, including myself, say what I can't do. Yes, sir. But I got to step back and say, now who said that though? Yes. See, just because you say it to you don't mean it's true. Yes. Let me go to this side because... I said, just because you say it to you. See, I I know sometimes we resist and reject what others say to us. I am telling you we need to resist and reject what we say to ourselves sometimes. Because just because you say it to you doesn't mean it's true. Hallelujah. And I'm about to tell y'all something. Are you ready for this? I'm about to tell. Let me get to the text. But I'm about to tell y'all something. I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready? If you're ready, put yes in the chat, say yes in the studio. Are you ready? Okay. If you're going to advance, you must learn how to argue with you. See, I knew you weren't ready. No, no, no. You got to argue. Come on. You got to learn to argue with a little girl on the inside of you, that subconscious, that's telling you things that aren't truth. That's limiting you in areas where you shouldn't be limited. That's blocking you in areas that don't have to be barriers. And this is, in essence, what Jesus is communicating right here in John 5. See, before we lean and leap into what Jesus says, we really need to be clear on who he's talking to. Right. If you've been around here a change, I've taught you that I've taught you some some just some keys for biblical interpretation. Right. Paul says rightly divide the word. So if I can divide it rightly, I can divide it wrongly. Right. So I've, I've talked to you about that. Like ask a question. OK, not just what's been said. Who's he talking to? That matters. So when Jesus said, listen to what he says now, Are y'all all right. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and I hold him the truth, for there's no truth in him. It's okay, it's all right. So if he's saying, you're of your father, the devil. Now, I don't even know if I agree with this term. It's it's a cultural term, because I think all of us are this just saved by grace. Uh, But we would think, culture, we say, okay, he's talking to some heathens. That's what we would think. If would say, you're of your father, the devil. And your desire is to carry out your father's, uh, your desire is to carry out your father's desire. But when you read the text, he is not talking to non-religious people. Read it. He's talking to the equivalent of the church. He's talking to Pharisees. (laughs) To get more specific, these were religious leaders. Are y'all okay? He is saying to them, you think your heavenly father, he's he's not saying he isn't your heavenly father. He's saying you aren't under his influence. You live in one house, but you listen to the words of somebody else's daddy. He says you're living in this house, but your, your behavior is not reflective of how we raise you. God's like, I didn't raise you like that. I didn't raise you to talk like that. I didn't raise you to, to, to relate like that. I didn't raise you to behave like that. He says, but you're in my house, but you are under the influence of somebody else. And you have you, you have given yourself over to that influence because you don't know y'all desires are aligned. He told religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil. He did not call them the devil. He said, but you are under his influence in the name of God. See, you calling this God and it's not. You calling it the anointing is energy. You calling it going hard in the paint is pride. Okay. You call it going over and beyond for the kingdom, but it is a messianic uh, complex. Well, I've got to save everybody, and I need to be needed. And my need to be needed is really what's driving my behavior, and not a desire for the things of God. Yeah, wow. Ooh. Ooh. He says, you, you, You're of your father. Now, this is what's interesting. This issue that Jesus is dealing with with these leaders is generational in the sense that this had been the religious climate and the condition of, quote, unquote, it wasn't the church technically, but the condition of the church in that day. Like, it, it, was, it was normal. Does that make sense? This is why so many times Jesus would be like, have you read like, he, he's looking at the way they're practicing their religion, and then he will ask them, have you read? Meaning, you can't be reading and doing this. He's like, but the reason you're doing this is because you don't think you have to vet sources you love. Y'all aren't talking. Are y'all, are y'all hearing this? Are y'all hearing this, man? uh, (laughs) Oh gosh! And I am telling you, I've been pastor. We're going to celebrate all these years. I've been in pastoral leadership a long time, and I'm telling you, the hardest thing to get people to unlearn and to relinquish is religious viewpoints and vantage points that came to them from people they loved and trusted just because the love is real doesn't mean their words were right. And the most difficult kind of reprogramming that has to be done is religious reprogramming because people think, people, watch this, people think and people assume that letting go of that is letting go of what anchored me early in my walk with Jesus. When really what anchored you, really you probably got anchored in spite of, not because of. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, you might've thought you got anchored because of that. And I am telling you the grace of God was probably at work in spite of that, in spite of that legalism, in spite of that fundamentalism. I can't let go of this. This kept me. No, God kept you in the midst of that. And some of us, it's a miracle that we're still vibrant and fervent and passionate in our relationship with God based off of what we experience in the name of God. God's like, I I didn't say that. My wife was just talking about the women's event that is coming up at the end of this month. And, uh, you know, some people, even the, term, the terminology, lioness, it's like it creates such tension and discomfort in religious circles. Religious circles is the only space where it creates that tension and discomfort. It is. Let's just, come on, let's just keep it a buck, right? It's, it's, it's the only space. Because here it is, it's almost like whenever someone hears a word used in church, they automatically assume that the word is being used the same way it's used outside of church. I can say the same thing and not mean the same thing. Yeah, so when we say lioness, we don't mean aggressive. Yeah, but we do mean assertive. We, we, we have done some research to see how God's wired the animal kingdom, and we do know that typically it's the lioness that goes and hunts. Come on. And so at, in this space, we just say, hey, we understand God's order, but we release the lioness to be fully Who God's called and created her to be. Now, how many women hadn't started something they were supposed to start, hadn't wrote something that the world needed them to write, hadn't launched something that the world needed them to launch? Because somebody in the name of God said your only responsibility is domestic responsibility. Now, should your spouse and your children be your be your first priority besides God absolutely but first don't mean only see y'all this too much but I'm not stepping back and God's like I ain't say that now you know this is some of this stuff is not it's not right or wrong one way or the other that's why I'm saying don't put God in it if it's just your preference Right? So if it's your preference that she not work, that's fine. Just don't say God said that. Just say that's what I want. And just be able to go get enough bag to make sure that that her and the kids strike. Come on now, if you can't get... Uh... You know, I don't know how good this sabbatical was for me. It was great. It was great for me. I don't know how good it is for everybody else, though, because... Because, man, my wife was doing some talking. I was just like, yeah, I cannot play church. It's like I quit if I got to do that. I can't do that. Elizabeth, what you doing? Just like, I quit. I'm not doing that. I can't. And so it's like when I see something that God intended to release us into our full potential, being used to restrict us to limit us, to subjugate us, it just grieves my heart. Am I making sense? Jesus says here, he said, listen, the devil, this, this is so interesting now, he says, He identifies these people as uh, individuals who belong to the devil, but watch this. He identifies the devil as the father of lies, but then he says this. He's a murderer from the beginning. So now watch this. There's a connection now between deception and destruction, deception and death. When he says from the beginning, he's talking about Genesis. Now, if you understand Genesis 3 uh, with Adam and Eve, if you read that, Satan didn't technically murder anybody. Nobody died that day. Death was introduced into the world, but it was introduced into the world because of a decision Adam and Eve made. But the decision they made was based off of the twisting Leviathan, the snake, the twisting of God's word. Did you hear what I just said? I said he didn't just give them a blatant untruth. He gave them a lie wrapped in truth's wrapping paper. He took God's word, twisted God's word, and deceived Adam and Eve into behaving in a way that was self-destructive. And if, if the law first mentions true, then he is still working that way today. Taking God's word, twisting God's word to get us to make decisions that are self destructive. Yeah. Yeah. And God's like, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. Now watch this. If truth, I got points, I'm not going to get to them. If truth, I'm done talking y'all. If truth sets us free, then deception keeps us bound. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now listen to me. All of your bondage comes from the devil, but all your bondage didn't come through the devil. Some of your bondage came through voices that you loved that were not vetted. Some of your bondage came through religion. See, y'all not here. The devil used religion. Twisted. Truth. Some of you feel like your imperfections are worse than others? Not because God said that. See? Are there degrees of evil? Absolutely. Are there varying degrees of consequences for Evil, unethical, and immoral behavior. Absolutely. Right? The implications of someone taking a life and telling a lie aren't the same. So I'm not dismissing that. But I'm saying when you look in Scripture, there's a whole lot of imperfect behavior that's uh, lumped in categories. But when sometimes religious people get a hold of it, they go into their whole list and they only pull out two or three. I say, now these two or three are worse than all of them. And God's like, I didn't say that. I say, everything on that list needs my grace. You know, in my mentoring group, um, Daniel's thing, I I teach Reggie McNeil's um, Seven Sectors of Society. And my whole idea of this, I call Daniel's good people doing God's work in the public sector for the common good. And his whole idea is the whole idea of like the way I understand the Bible is like God wants us to like come to church, be a part of the church. But we're not just supposed to do church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the point of church is to change the world, not just to have church. You understand what I'm saying? So like there are these seven sectors that make up society that constitute the actual world, and you can't really change the world until you invade and influence those seven sectors, right? Does that make sense? So it's like, I mean, I see it all. Even in the Old Testament, you see this, right? You see people like Daniel strategically positioned. You see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego strategically positioned. You see Nehemiah strategically positioned. You see Joseph strategically positioned. None of these men worked at a church. some of them were prophets because you cannot change government if we're not in it and you can't change the media culture if we're not in it and and we can't change people's view on entrepreneurialism if we are not in it and how many people are not invading the spaces that God's called them to invade Because someone told them the only significant service is service in the church. Should you serve your church? Yes. First is not only though. Are there those that are in that. There are those with five-fold ministry gifting that are likened until the Levites in the Old Testament where God says, listen, what all the other 11 tribes do, you don't get to do. You call to the house. You serve those. You change those that change the world. So, so your assignment to the world is not the same as their assignment. You're assigned to them. Yeah, you're assigned to them and they're assigned to the world. So, yes, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but this is what we do. We try to take that calling, which is really for some, and then act like that's supposed to be for all. Being worldly means having worldly values. It doesn't mean that that I'm not. Am I making sense? People say, you worldly, because I work for the government? You worldly, because I work in the music industry? No, you worldly and you go to church. Because your values are worldly. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph worked for Pharaoh, who was an idolater. Nebuchadnezzar was an idolater. King Darius was an idolater. Yeah. Esther was married to King Xerxes, who was an idolater. We can't alter what we're avoiding. And I'm telling you, there's all this creative genius in the church. And People are sitting on it. And God's like, I didn't say that. So in this last message in this series, I'm praying that God would help set some of us free from bondage that came from the devil, but through the church. See, I don't even, it's, it's, it's weird. I still wrestle with this a little bit. Cause like sometimes in church, you can't even say the stuff you need to say to help people. It's so demonic. Yeah, do y'all understand how demonic that is? The hyper offensive culture we live in, the enemies created that to silence truth. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that some of the dysfunction that exists in marriage has come from the devil, but it came through the church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Like I, my wife coaches and counsels a whole lot of couples. I don't do a lot of that, but she counsels a whole lot of couples. And listen to me, you you just be amazed at how so many intimacy issues are traced back to a bad view of intimacy that came from the church. This is affecting, it's affecting us in areas we have no idea. I see some of the arguments and strife and backbiting that's going on amongst Christians. And God's like, I ain't say none of that. And Everybody think they're speaking for me. He wants to set us free from that. It keeps us in bondage. It destroys us. It's a joy killer and a joy robber. It's trauma given to you in the name of Jesus. But I'm praying today that that is broken off of everybody that is watching this. I'm praying that God, now this is why you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that leads and guides you into all truth. Is, that's the book. He's the one that leads and guides you into all truth. And I'm just praying right now that God will cause light bulbs to go off in the hearts and in the minds of people all over the world right now. I'm just telling you what I sense God doing. I sense, I sense healing from trauma happening right now. And I'm not talking about trauma in your house. I'm talking about trauma that happened in God's house. That's exactly what I'm talking about because truth was twisted and manipulation and exploitation and used and abused. was like, I, I, didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say you shouldn't be happy. I just say happiness shouldn't be your idol. father right now i just pray that your holy spirit will minister to your people i want you to minister right here in this studio and i i pray even in a realm that is unseen a realm you called heavenly places a realm that is not accessed by the five senses i pray that even in that realm in that space which is the space where most of our chains and our fetters hold us in bondage. I pray that chains would would fall off. We just see and pray for chains to fall. Church Trauma viewpoints and vantage points. I I pray for people that have been sitting on their gifts because they feel like the full utilization of their gifts is inconsistent with your intention for their life. I just I thank you for that. I pray for people that are in boxes that you have not put them in. I, I pray that they get a revelation that they don't have to be this or that. They can be this and that. And so I just commit them to you. I lift them to you and I ask you for this in jesus name i pray may the son who sets us free set you free indeed it's in his name we pray somebody say amen put fire all in that chat clap your hands in this studio come on atl clap those hands in this studio